Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride. Frank Frangie hates car lion. Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. Not a good day, Carlion. No. Not a good day. Not a good three weeks. Not a good three weeks, but not a good day yesterday on so many fronts. Uh, uh, Trevor in the uh, concussion protocol. We'll talk about that. The Jags lose again. Here's, what, here's what's weird. The Jags, it was a game we all thought they would lose. Yet, it's, it's so many games that even though you're not shocked they lost, the loss feels worse than you thought the loss would feel. You get that? It, it feel that way to you? It, it was a Florida Gators loss where, like, the score might not, or, you know, the score was not overly competitive, but certainly wasn't a route. But it's, yes, it's the manner in which they lose. And it's like the like the Gators were the Gator. A lot of times the Gators just didn't get out athleted. You could understand that they just handed the game away, and that's what the Jaguars have become. They've become a team that just the opponent just has to sit tight and wait for the Jaguars to self destruct. And unfortunately, Sunday night the self destruction came early, came often, and never stopped. Yeah, and we should be sitting here talking about how good Lamar Jackson is and, and how he can escape pressure for five, six, seven seconds and how the Jaguars couldn't get to him. But that's not even a storyline, how good Lamar Jackson is and, and was yesterday, really, because this team self-implodes multiple times. And even after the head coach last week saying we can't do that anymore, and I'm sure he got on them all week last week on the fundamentals and taking care of the football and then that happened. And then situational awareness wasn't there either. Yeah, so, uh, so a lot of things to, to talk about, a lot of things we're concerned about, we'll certainly talk about uh, with the Jags today. I, um, what, what is your gut, Hayes, on, on Trevor Lawrence, on concussion protocol? Obviously, we're not going to know anything for a while. What's your, what's your, what, what do you think? What are your expectations? These are always hard to guess, but my expectation would be that he'd be cleared for – the Tampa game. That's what I think. And, and there's no reason to think either way because we don't know. But I'm hoping it's precautionary. You know, I, I'm hoping – one of the reasons we feel that way is because the son of a gun answers the bell no matter what. You know, now this is different because he doesn't this get – This is different. Because he doesn't get to make the call here. That's right. On, on ankles and knees and arms and legs and ribs and the player can say I'm good to go. This is the one instance where the player can't say I'm good to go. The independent – um, observer, independent doctors who are not affiliated with the team have to say whether or not you're, you're, you're good to go. But it's an odd circumstance, no question. Well, I think the situation was odd, too. Trevor Lawrence didn't leave the game with a concussion. He didn't have present symptoms, at least, that most of us could tell during the game. He even shook hands with Lamar Jackson after the game. It wasn't until after all that that he was being reviewed for the concussion. So that's why I also think it seems like it, if it was really bad, he wouldn't have finished the game. Yeah, And he self-reported it after the game. So, you know, I, I think it's – I would say, like, if you're looking for trends and, and, and one – a concussion's like a fingerprint, so it's it, – everything, everything's different. But in a very general sense, if you're looking at the nature of the hit, 
I, how the player acted post game. I I would based on what we've seen at that position, I would anticipate he's got a good chance to play against Tampa. Um, but again, these he also might miss three games. There, it's an it's there's a, no way of it's knowing. an impossible injury, and, and, and that's right to predict. And, and but I think if we I all know that. if I had to put. Uh, you know, if I had to guess on what's going to happen, I would say he's active against Tampa. Yeah, I would too. But I also thought he'd play after the yeah. uh, knee injury and after yeah. the ankle injury. And like you said, it's different. But I still think he, it, he'll he be cleared. Yeah, so, all right. so we'll talk a little bit about what went wrong with the Ravens. What's wrong with the Jags? Why are they losing games? We'll certainly get to that coming up on the program. A big part of our show today, the Jags. Johnny O stops by at uh, 5 o'clock to talk more Jaguars. That comes up in, uh, in, in, in just a bit. Um, the Gators lost one, Lauren. Is that what you were just telling me? Unfortunately, I think it was predicted by many, but yeah. yes, the five-star safety Xavier Filsimi has flipped from Florida to Texas. And we knew that. I mean, that, that I, I don't. I think that's the the was the least Not a worst, worst kept secret in recruiting. Wouldn't you say? I would. And uh, you know, again, Florida added a, a well a combo defensive back, but he certainly could play safety out of Oregon uh, today through the portal. So you know, they are getting some help uh, in the secondary. I I think in in response to the fact that. I'm sure they viewed Xavier as a day one starter and with him flipping to Texas, now you, you have to go fill that spot. So yeah, it's unfortunate for the recruiting class. Cause I mean, obviously behind Lagway, he's well, he's arguably the second, he, at worst, he's the third highest member of the class. And look, you're now in a, an age where you play Texas, you go to Austin next year. So in, you know, previous years, it would have been like, Oh, he's going to Texas and wish him well. And, you know, maybe it. You know, one day he comes back in the portal or something like that. Well, now you're 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 going into his house next year. So, uh, right. you know, not only did you not get him, but you have to worry about you know Graham Mertz trying to uh, to maneuver around him. We'll talk a little bit about that. A little bit about recruiting. So Wednesday, by the way, signing day, right around the corner. That's right. Wednesday's coming. So we'll certainly talk. Thank goodness. We'll talk about that coming up uh, in the uh, program today. Um, talk about the NFL. Go around the league a little bit. Interesting, isn't it? Teams rising and falling. Uh, boy, you called the Buffalo thing. They laid, they laid it to Dallas. Dallas was playing so great, Buffalo just mauled them, didn't they? Buffalo is uh, – we may look up and they win the Super Bowl. I mean, they, it's just, again, it's, it's about playing ball, the best ball at the best time. And Buffalo was the best team in September. Everybody was sort of anointing them as this is the, the, the elite team in the league. Then they went through a, a tough stretch. They ended up, you know, going 6-6. Six and six. But they have really discovered something in the last couple of weeks. Joe Brady's done a magnificent job as interim offensive coordinator after they fired Ken Dorsey. And, yeah, to do what they did to Dallas, 31-10, that was a a fantastic win. So uh, Buffalo, to me, is a team that if they can find their way in, I'm not sure I'm not going to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know about win it, but I, I think Buffalo is absolutely back in the race to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl if they can get in. Pretty amazing how they went so good, so bad, so good. You know that? I mean, pretty. I mean, it really is. It's amazing stuff. How the Buffalo kind of like the Jags. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and that's what the league does. It and is. so, uh, so, and no, you're exactly right. So we'll talk, certainly talk about that. So we got a lot of things to get to today on the program. Um, I want to talk about bowl opt outs. How do you feel, Hayes, about bowl opt outs? I mean, as a fan, I, I would love to see players play, but if it was, you know, my son, I would advise them if they were, you know, projected to be a first-round pick, don't play the game, you know, and, and obviously unless you're competing for the national title. But I, I, I fully understand it. We've seen players that have suffered catastrophic injuries in bowl games, 
You go back to the Notre Dame linebacker many years ago in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, you go back to the Michigan tight end. Uh, uh, you know, a few years ago, devastating knee injuries, and you know, it, to me, it's the draft process is tough enough. You've done everything that you know you you could have done for your school. Uh, you've certainly lived up to you know the the scholarship that they've given you, and so I I think in looking at it as a fan, I'd love to see see them play, but I I fully get why they don't because you're a hundred days away from basically the biggest day of your life from a financial perspective. Yeah, I'll never forget when Jake Butt tore his ACL, and it was like, oh, my gosh, if only he hadn't played in the bowl game. But, I mean, Jaden Daniels, did anyone think he was going to play in the bowl game unless they were in the college football playoff? I, I didn't. Well, I never really thought about it. Um, but, but I guess that's where the top, where I'm going with the topic is, and I want to get to this later on in the program, that's where the world is, is there now exhibitions. If you don't make the playoff, it, it has the tournament – you know, once upon a time, the NIT, the National Invitation Tournament, was the biggest tournament in basketball. Did you know that? Before the NCAA, uh, the goal was to win the NIT. The, the, the NIT was the BCS. And then once they came along with this thing called the NCAA Tournament, the NIT became an exhibition that nobody cares about. Well, I, I never worried about this playoff tournament in football, the 12-team playoff, turning the regular season in saying the regular season won't be as important. I don't believe that. I, I, I think the regular season still is important. It's just not as tragic. But I do think it's if you don't make the 12-team tournament, or is the, is the whole collection of other bowl games now the NIT? Is it an exhi- their exhibitions? And I, yep. uh, and I think we're going to see it. And I'll talk more about it later, but I think quick pitch, um, I think that's where we're headed. Well, and the other thing, too, that I think is, is really – made it more widespread as well is the NFL, the general managers, the coaches, they don't care if the player opts out. I mean, they, they, they don't, if there was any pushback initially, it was kind of looked at as, will this be considered a character flaw at all? Not, it's not a competitor. You know, when, when we were in the Fournette McCaffrey drafts, I, when it bowl opt outs first became a thing, you know, there was this, well, will it hurt them in the eyes of the evaluators? Well, it doesn't at all. And so that's the other thing. Like the NFL, the message has basically been, oh, yeah, go ahead and opt out. Why wouldn't you? Well, if that's the message they're receiving, then, again, you know, you're, you're – I, I mean, I respect the players that have a lot to lose and want to play for pride and for their teammates. You know, that's great. Uh, but – and as a fan, I'd love to see them play because we want to see the, the best talent compete. But it's just not the way of the world. There's too much money at stake for these players to lose – uh, by, you know, particularly like you see the hip drop tackle and things like that. I mean, you know, I, I just think for these offensive players, if you're Jaden Daniels, why would you put yourself in a position where you could get hit and break your leg? And now instead of being a top 15 pick, you're going in the fourth round. And oh, by the way, more and more of the transfers, I think, are going to leave us with less loyalty. I mean, Jaden Daniels isn't his second school. Does he bleed purple and gold? Like I don't think so. I mean, yes, he cares about the draft, but it's also I wasn't born and raised a Tigers fan. I didn't dream of going to LSU my whole life. So yeah, I'm gonna do what's best for me anyway. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. Let's start with the Jags. Where it went wrong, not just this game, but where it's been going wrong. Let's talk about that. We'll talk some Jaguars football. Uh, that's how we'll kick off the program. Recruiting coming up a little later on. The NFL coming up later on. Johnny O stops by later on. We are full up with stuff. Glad you're with us. Do want to thank our friends from The Best Bet. The Best Bet is always our Monday sponsor, always a Best Bet Monday around here. And I'm going to remind you, those $300 early bird high hands are at Best Bet Orange Park every Saturday 
from 9 until 10 a.m. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Trevor steps up, rolls to his left, now he's going to run it, gets it to the 20-yard line. The ball came out and picked up by the Ravens, and they are running it back. We've got to be just ultra-focused on doing our jobs. The number one prized possession on the field is the football, and we got to do a better job of protecting it. Jackson rolls right, pump fake, now throws to the middle of the field. Ball picked off! Rayshon Jenkins running it back to the 45-yard line. Terrific work! I thought the defense really came to play. Kind of kept them down, did, did some good things in the first half, kept us in the game, kept us close, and, you know, did some did some good things for us. Wide open, Jamal Agnew, 30, 20, 10, 5, Jamal Agnew! Touchdown! We know what we gotta do. We gotta take it one game at a time still. Like, I'm gonna keep saying that the urgency just gotta pick up. We just gotta keep holding each other accountable, trusting each other, loving on each other, you know, through the ups and downs, because it's not it's not always gonna be good. They hand it to Gus Edwards. He walks into the end zone for the touchdown, and they have extended the lead, a one-yard touchdown run. We gotta continue to just grind away and just figure out how to win a football game. Right now, we're just not good enough to pull these games out against good football teams. Until we figure that out, it's gonna be rough. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. That's how it sounded yesterday. Tough loss for the local team. Frank Frangie's Carline Lauren Brooks. RJ Saunders with you. I got a bunch of thoughts about this. First of all, I'm going to start with the Jags and where they stand. I'm going to get ahead of myself. This is probably a conversation for later in the week, and then we're going to get back to yesterday's game. But let me just say this. The biggest game of Trevor's career, the biggest game of Doug Peterson's Jaguars coaching tenure is this week. Because after all the things that went badly, if you win this week, you are 90, they're going to beat the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are no good. So no matter what happened, no matter how bad the Jags have played at home, the fact that the Panthers beat the Falcons yesterday, the Panthers are one of the worst teams to come along in the NFL in a long time. They're worse than some of the bad Jag teams. So I think the Jags are going to win next week, a week from Sunday. So the key now is find a way to win against the Tampa Bay Bucs, who are playing pretty well now, by the way. Baker Mayfield playing very well. But, Hayes, if you find a way to win this week, if you find a way to win this week, then you're headed to 10 and 6. If you're 10 and 6 with a game to play, I think you're okay. I think so this forget the three this is cuz if you lose this week, then it's four losses in a row. Then you're suddenly a 500 football team. Then all of a sudden everything changes. So I in my mind, this is without question the money game, obviously because it's the next game. Football people always say it's the most important game because it's the next game. But this one even goes beyond that in my mind. Because the Panthers game is – because we're, it's a three-way tie. Forget tiebreakers now. The Jags have that. But forget that for a second. It's a three-way tie with three to play. Well, if you're going to win the first two of those three, you're probably winning the division. It's a three-way tie. And remember, the Colts and the Texans play each other on the final week of the regular season when the Jags go to Nashville, which won't be easy. So if you win this week, you're headed to 10-6. and six. That will mean you're probably winning two of the last three minimum – to break a three-way tie. That's why this this is the most important game most of these guys have ever played. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, everything is still out in front of them. That's 
not wrong when Doug Peterson says that. Uh, it's it's absolutely true. I, I just I just think where they are right now, it's going to be awfully hard to to fix the things that they have to fix. We're eighty two percent through with this season, and they've shown no ability to protect the football and avoid stupid mistakes. I mean, to their own admission. So I don't know if you've been that team for the first 82%. It doesn't seem like you're going to be able to fix that in the final 18%. Uh, And Tampa Bay is playing great football. Baker Mayfield just posted a perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field, the first time a visitor has ever done that in the history of that facility. I mean, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, Obviously, you're already beat up. We've talked about Christian Kirk and the massive loss that, that that's become. You're not going to have Zay Jones. I mean, he was 80% at best before he hurt his hamstring uh, with, with the knee. So now he's got a hamstring. He's being called week to week. Uh, usually with hamstrings, you can basically turn that into month to month. So I don't think you're going to see Zay Jones, which leaves you with Calvin Ridley, who still is trying to understand what's being asked of him. I, you know, it's just, it's getting to the point they can't run the ball at all. I mean, it has gotten so poor. They've been out uh, gained on the ground 489 to 204 in this three-game losing skid. So, yeah, I mean, all that is true. Everything is out in front of them. Go win, and everything will be great. I just don't see a team that has much of a path to victory in Tampa, even with Trevor Lawrence, because there are so many issues right now they're not going to block Tampa they're not going to be able to run the ball against the Buccaneers I mean they're 30th right now in the league in yards per play when they run it I mean that's that's atrocious there's only 32 teams and uh and and the run defense is starting to slip too they're they're now they were great against the run uh now they're 12th in the league in total run yardage they're 16th in the league in rushing yards allowed per play which means now they're defending the run at an average level, and they're abysmal running the ball themselves. So, yes, everything's in front of them. Everybody would love to see them turn it around, but there are significant fatal flaws right now in this operation, and very few things. Doug Peterson talked today about, you know, I'm trying to find the positive. To me, there aren't too many positives for him to find. No, and, and like you mentioned, the injuries add up. We just talked about Trevor Lawrence, whether or not he can play. Frank, to your point, I think even if C.J. Beathard plays starting quarterback, the Jaguars have to win this game. It's so monumental for the rest of the season because I do think you can get the Panthers, and I think you can get the Titans at the end of the season. The Titans have been eliminated from the postseason at this point. They're not playing for anything. But the Bucks are playing for everything, and they have been playing better as of late. The Jaguars have to somehow, some way, have better ball security and just trust in themselves a little bit. It did feel like last night, I know Doug was asked after the game, is this team pressing? He said, no, not at all. It did feel like last night, once those two kicks are missed and once they went to halftime without getting any points, it felt like then they felt this overwhelming urgency and they were pressing instead of playing their own game. Well, I can tell you this. The, when you make one mistake, it, it leads to the next. I don't know anything about kicking, okay? 
I know nothing about kicking at all. I've never been a kicker. Not that I couldn't pull it off, Carlina, just so you know that, okay? But I'm not much of a kicker. You look a little like Fod Revez. <laughs> I got a little Fod Revez. I got a great, by the way, I got a great Fod Revez story for you. Have you ever talked oh, to the great Fod no, Revez? I'd love story? to hear. I mean, how many good that Fod Revez? That was the first kicker that, how, from my how, childhood how, that how popped into ever, my how head. How many ever Fod Revez stories have you heard? None. I'd love Next to hear Next segment, one. I'm telling you a Fod Revez story. That's what great. you get around here, okay? Yeah. So, but I, uh, so I'm Should not I know who Fod Revez is? He is a kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. You were probably a child. So, but I don't know much about kicking. But I do know if I hit a golf shot right and it pisses me off, the next time I come up, I overcompensate and pull it left. All right? So back to your point mm-hmm. about getting tight. Uh, he missed the first one right. Hit it the right upright. Yep. He pulled the second one left. Now, listen, I'm not – again, I'm not kicker guy. Right, and the wind is different. Right, uh, I think right. you guys mentioned that on the broadcast. But, but, if I, but, if I block a, but if I block a golf shot to the right, I overcompensate and draw it and pull it left. So, uh, so I think that does. Listen. There were four gigantic plays in the game yesterday in my mind. Now, all of them with the, with the Jags with the ball. Four gigantic, gigantic plays. Two of them were the missed field goals. Mm-hmm. The third one was Trevor, God bless him, trying to make a play. When the ball, so you were listening to the broadcast, you know what the point Baselli must have made about get, get on the ground, get on the ground, get on the ground. So as he's trying to, to run, Hazy, he's not making the first down. He's going to be 10 yards shy of the first down either way. But he tried to switch his hands and make a few more yards. Well, at that point, a few more yards didn't matter. Have the presence of mind to get on the ground rather than the unforced fumble. That's the third big play. And then the other one, obviously, at the end of the half. When you hit the play, presence of mind. I, I would have spiked it. Doug said afterwards the plan was not to spike it. But I would have spiked it, and everybody gathered themselves. Is I think the th- entire country would have spiked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you spiked <laughs> I was shocked that yeah, he didn't yeah. concede so you, that so in his post. Yeah, so is that because he's so upset that McManus is missing, even though that was a chip shot as no. compared with the longer field To me, field goals? it's a volume of place yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. clock the Correct. ball, and you're going to have a guaranteed right. two right. more offensive right. snaps. And, and his thinking is Trevor will know not to throw a ball in the field of, where a guy can get tackled in the field of play. You're thinking is your quarterback will – I promise you if 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 – when Trevor and Doug and Press have the conversation about Mike McCoy, they're all in there, they all would have thought Trevor would have the presence of mind to not throw a pass where a guy could get tackled in the field of play. I don't even know why yeah. those routes were even in mm-hmm. the play yeah. and so, in that situation. Right. I mean, all four of those guys need to be yeah. going towards yeah. the end yeah. zone and in I, some and, form or fashion. And look, I'm a big Trevor fan. I'll defend him to the hilt. Even when things aren't going well, there's no running game helping him. He lost Christian Kirk. Um, the protection's spotty at best. Uh, poor guy doesn't have much help. So every time people talk about, yeah, he missed some throws high and whatnot. He's played hurt. He's played through injuries. I'll defend Trevor to the hilt. I'm just a big fan of his, how he carries himself, what he's having. No one talks about all the stuff he's having to deal with, with no running game and no Christian Kirk and, and a, just an okay line. But the presence of mind has got to get better. You've got to know when you're running the ball, don't switch. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Put two hands on the ball. Hold it like you're never letting it go and get on the ground so you kick the field goal. And when you get the great Zay Jones catch at the five-yard line and you've got no timeout, if they tell you not to spike the ball, you have to know, throw a ball in the end zone or out of the back of the end zone. You can't throw a ball in the field of play. So And I, and, I, and he knows that. And Trevor would tell you that. But I think those were the two – in my mind, Hayes, those were the two gigantic plays in the football game. Or, or the four gigantic – four gigantic, for me, the four yeah, gigantic they, plays. They should have had a 16-10 to 10 lead at the half. Yeah. Uh, instead, they're down ten nothing because of what you're talking about. I mean, you know, you can't just drop a football. I mean, it, it just can't happen. Yeah. And uh, and again, who knows? I mean, even if he 
secures the ball and slides. Who's to say a Ravens defender doesn't come in and hit him? It's now a personal foul. You're first and goal, you know, and, and now maybe you get a touchdown out of it. I mean, you can't in this day and age, the way officiating is, I mean, if a Ravens player just comes in and basically grazes Trevor, it could have been a flag. So you've got to allow that to give yourself a chance of, of having that happen too. But at the very least, get down. Hopefully McManus hits the field goal and you get your three. What happened at the end of the half is, I mean, if, if, again, I'll just compare it to if that happened to a Billy Napier Florida team, we would talk about it for three days after a loss. I mean, it is one of those things that it just can't happen. And Trevor Lawrence has played enough football that he's got to know that unless they've blown the coverage and there isn't anybody even near Parker Washington and he's going to just basically walk in, you can't throw that. But it's also bad design because by having those routes – and because they had the same thing to the other side. So by having two of your four receivers running routes that are only taking you from the five to the two, that's bad design. That, that shouldn't be an option for him. Take it out of his hands to where he isn't even – tempted to go there with the football uh, but it, it has been a problem all year long this has been a dumb team from the start and they continue to be a dumb team today and again they'll tell you the same thing so this isn't Hayes is picking on the Jaguars and saying things that aren't if they would tell you the same thing they have played dumb football for far too much of the 82 percent of this season that is complete one other play, this was when the Jaguars were on defense, and this isn't dumb. It was an effort play. But I feel like had Dwan Smoot been able to actually get Lamar down, maybe the end of the game changes a little bit. I, who knows at that point in time. But it was still close, and he was so – Dwan was so close to getting Lamar down, but couldn't – then Lamar escapes, and, and they have the big gain. It's just – it was those little moments, and yes, taking all the negative stuff aside, but little moments that it felt like the Jaguars could still win the game going into the fourth quarter. We'll take a break. When we come back, let's, what do the Jags have to do as they get set for Tampa? Uh, one more Jaguar topic. I'm going to get to some recruiting and other stuff in a bit. We've got signing day two days away. But a little more Jags talk, a little more NFL talk after this on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. I just learned about Fad Revez in the last segment when you guys brought you him, look up. him up. I did, and I understand what Hayes is saying as far as, you know. I remember what he looks like. You don't remember what he looks like? No, it was, honestly, it was the first kicker I thought of. Uh, did he kick for the Hurricanes? He did? Yeah, he did that's yeah. where I remember. I didn't find any pictures. I just found his Wikipedia. Okay. Which, by the way, Wikipedia is close to being like right. completely non-existent. So, you, people, somebody please buy them. You, you brought uh, new – what did you learn about Fouad Revez? Uh, basically that, yeah, he kicked for multiple teams, and I didn't realize he also kicked for the Volunteers. Yeah, He's a Tennessee guy Yeah, from Miami. Okay, Kate's Kate's vicinity. I, I, you, you, you want a Fouad Revez story? Well, I'm oh, and wonder. he was born in Bogota, Colombia. Okay. I learned that as well. Okay, so I didn't know that. So anyway, he kicks for Miami, from Miami, kicked for Miami. Um, uh, he's kicking for the Vikings, okay? Okay. Toretta's in camp with the Vikings, right? And John Randall, who's a great player, defensive end, defense, 
Short defensive, but good player. 6'1", 280. Hall of Fame player. A Hall of Fame player. Great, great player. He used to mess with everybody. He'd go flick him in the ear, and he'd pop him in the head. And he, he, he was the guy that messed with everybody. And he loved messing with the kickers. <laughs> John Randall would mess with the kickers. Well, Quad Ravise, if you read far enough in there, was a state wrestling champion at, in, in, oh. in Miami High School. Okay? He was a state wrestling champion before he went on. So Toretta says, Randall's walking around, messing with everybody, flicking about his pushing them around, shoving them. You know, kind of berating him, kind of half playing, half being a pain. So he did it. He loved, loved kickers, holders, deep snappers. He loved to mess with them. Okay? Just loved to mess with them. So at one point, <laughs> he goes up and he decides he's going to mess with, uh, uh, going to flick and mess with um, Enfad Raviz. <laughs> Toretta said Raviz picked him up over his head, body slammed him, and put him in some sort of a hole with his <laughs> arm behind him. And, 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 and Randall's going, okay, 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 stop. And they said, John Randall never messed with the kickers again. Hundred <laughs> percent true story. They yeah. literally said, literally had him over his head. Wow. And he slammed him down. So, they, so there you go. So that's my Fouette review story. Love it. I thought that was really good. And, I mean, yeah, be careful who you pick your fights with. I yeah. think that's, a, that's another yeah. important hey, lesson. And by the way, hey, I got, you want bigger news? Yes. I did not realize this. I told you you went to high school in Miami. Mm-hmm. And that he was a state wrestling champ, and that he picked up John Randall over his head. Mm-hmm. He also graduated from Miami since said hi with Dan Hicken. That's oh, even bigger wow. news. Uh, for, forget about the other news. Okay, Hicken checks in. What so a class. Hicken went to high. Well, Hick, I don't. Well, Hick, now that you're listening, and that you and uh, Floyd graduated together, did you know the John Randall story? I want to know if Dan Hicken knew the John Randall story. Picked him up over his head, slammed him down, put him in some wrestling hole. That was the end of it. Hopefully, Floyd never put Hicken in yeah, a well, wrestling move. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd know better than to mess with Hicken, yeah, okay? Yeah. He can mess with John Randall. So, uh, so yeah. Hicken was water polo, not wrestling. Yeah, that's right. So, also, so there, so there yeah. So there's that story. So I got that going for me. So there's all that. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. The, uh, uh, what did the Jaguars do? How did they get better? How did the Jags get better? I got a bunch of thoughts on that. Where, where are you on that? I. How do they get better? What do they do now? What do they do when they go to Tampa? I I I mean, ideally, you'd stop committing blunder after blunder. But I at this point, I I don't know that you can correct something that you've been for you know four fifths of your season. But I it it starts there. I mean, they have to be more locked in, and you know, how do you go about doing that? I mean, it it's it's gonna. It's going to just have to come internally from each individual guy. Obviously, a coach speech, uh, a, a locker room speech, a players-only meeting, none of that's worked. So it's, it's going to have to be an individual thing where each individual says, I'm just simply not going to allow this to happen. I'm going to be locked in every second of every game when I'm out there, and I'm not going to false start. And I'm going to do my job. And I, you know, I, I think it starts there. The other thing, these coaches have to stop assuming that these players know basic football because it's clear they do not. So if it takes a week where you've got to work a little bit more on the basic fundamentals of how you play this game, then do it because I wouldn't put anything new in. They can't handle what you haven't. <laughs> so why would you take any time to put new plays in? You know, and so forget in terms of putting new stuff in. You're going to have to go back and reteach some of just the core fundamentals and work on situational football. And and look, I mean, you're going to have to hope that Tampa regresses, that, you know, Baker Mayfield just had this incredible game in Lambeau and doesn't play well. I mean, there's no way they're going to just cover Mike Evans. It's going to take Tampa Bay not playing well. I And, and again, 
Tampa has a physical front, and how do you get the run game going when you can't block anybody? You can't. There's no elixir to that. You need Luke Fortner and Brandon Sheriff and the offensive line to play with more physicality, but the problem is they can't gain nine pounds of muscle in five days and be stronger. They are who they are. I so I think offensively it's really broken. I, I I don't think that there's really much they can do other than just hope that Evan Ingram has another career day and maybe Calvin Ridley gives you a couple big plays and yeah, you know, you 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 pop a screen to ETN and you know, he he's able to to manufacture something. You have to hope McManus finds his accuracy again. Uh, and in defensively, I, I think that they're fine defensively. I'm not really concerned about uh, where they are defensively. I think they had some communication issues coming into the Ravens game, but I think they solved that. I mean, look, the Ravens made a play the other night that really only Lamar Jackson can make. He, he breaks the, out of the smooth sack, throws across his body. It's an ill-advised throw. There's two Jaguars there. Isaiah likely makes a great catch. That's you got out athleted on that play. Okay, we can live with that. We can live with you getting out athleted. It's the NFL. That is going to happen. But don't give away the cheap ones. Defensively, I thought they were much better at that last night. And they got some, you know, made some big plays. But offensively, they're a disaster. And they're only getting worse. So I don't really know what you can do. If if I had if I was advising them for this week, I would say strip it down. Strip it down have 30 plays that you feel great about and really work on situational awareness with this team because they're at a point now where I, I don't I mean I don't trust them to do basic things that I would I would expect a college team to have no problem with handling the mental gymnastics of a certain situation offensively this team I, I have no confidence I have no confidence in receivers looking for the ball when they're running routes. I have no confidence in the quarterback understanding how time works in a football game. I have no confidence in any of it. Uh, I probably would work out a kicker, to Hayes' point, just as far as McManus, like hoping he gets back on track. He, he hasn't shown that lately, so I probably would bring someone in. Uh, but overall, Frank, I think the easiest answer to your question is what, what, do the Jag- well, what can the Jaguars do to get better? I don't know that they will. Score, possession, score on the possessions when you're in the red zone. If they had done that last night, we are having a completely different conversation today. And obviously, stop shooting themselves in the foot. That's another one. But if you can score when you're in the red zone, and obviously that's your kicker is a part of that, then you at least are having different approaches to the second half. The Jaguars are going to stop running the ball when they're down by multiple scores. We say, yeah, they can't run the ball well. They, ETN, I thought, looked pretty good in the first half yesterday, but they couldn't keep trying to run the ball because then they, you know, they got too far behind the Ravens. All right, here's what I would do. I got a bunch of, bunch of thoughts on this. Number one, I like where Doug Peterson is. The last thing I would do if I was the coach here is beat these guys up. The last thing, they, they're hearing now they've lost three in a row and they've blown it and they're not nearly as good as everybody thought. So, and, I'm, and by the way, this comment I'm going to make is assuming you have Trevor Lawrence. If you don't have Trevor Lawrence, um, then things change, okay? But number one, I would loosen, I'd be loosey-goosey, okay? Number two, I'd play guys like Antonio Johnson. He's going to be a really good player. He played much, much, much of the game. I would play my young guys. I would do that. Hopefully you get Tyson Campbell and, and Cisco back. 
on offense, I would change what I'm doing. Everybody said, me included, you got to run it. You can't have 57 dropbacks. So we saw that. We saw some horizontal passes. I would play tempo. I would. You know when they were best in the first half? Is it the end of the half when they got the ball back with mm-hmm. 35 seconds? Boom, 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 boom to the five-yard line. Well, you're not going to have Zay – well, I say that. I'm fearful they may not have Zay Jones. You know they're not going to have Christian Kirk, who's so important. You know who I'm playing 30, 40 plays, who's probably never done that in his career? is Jamal Agnew. When Jamal Agnew's out there, something happens. I'm telling you whether it – he's the one that caught the long touchdown. Now, it was probably a busted coverage, but he's still the one. He's the one that had two terrific returns. On a team that lacks electric players, Calvin Ridley's a good player. He did not turn out to be the electric player that we thought so far. That doesn't mean that's not still in there. He hadn't played in a while. And, by the way, I thought it was a touchdown in the back of the end zone. I'm really surprised they didn't overturn that, by the way. Apparently, Terry McCauley on the, on the TV broadcast was, ray, was going on and on about it. So They missed that and they missed yeah. the running into the kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them should have been penalties. So, so I thought, but, but, but they had to review and missed one in the back of the end zone. So, I mean, you can't review the running into the kicker. So, for me – I would play Jamal. I would play fast. I would run reverses to Agnew. I would, I would, you've tried to be ground control team. You've tried to be horizontal team. You've tried. I'm going down the field. I'm going down the field with Wrigley, uh, with uh, Ridley. I'm going down the field with Jamal Agnew. I'm playing him a bunch. I'm probably getting Evan Ingram down the field some. I'm playing fast. I'm playing with some tempo. I'm changing what I do. And, 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 and I never felt that before. I felt play because, number one, the team that wins the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. Well, if you're not going to win the line of scrimmage, you still got to play. It's not like the game. It's not like you're not showing up to play the game. Okay, you still got to play the game. the uh, the 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 bottom line to this is what I would do is I would fast Agnew Hayes. I would Jamal Agnew would be an absolute regular until he's until he's so out of breath that he can't walk because he's the one. Ele- he's clearly an electric player. You still have to learn how to play wide receiver but he's an electric player on a team that keeps being down, down, down receivers. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think they have a choice. I mean, I, I agree that, you know, Jamal Agnew looks good coming back from the injury. But, I mean, I, you're not going to have Christian Kirk. He's on IR. I, I The chances that Zay Jones plays against Tampa, I think, are 0.001%. Uh, so, I mean, look, you, you need – Probably going to need 60 to 65 snaps covered by receivers. Uh, obviously, Calvin Ridley will barely come out of the game. Uh, you know, and you're going to have Parker Washington, uh, Elijah Cooks, Tim Jones. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, I, I certainly would rather have Agnew. I mean, that's I would approach it as Ridley one. Uh, well, Ingram one, but at the receiver position, Ridley one and. Agnew, too, in terms of guys that I'm trying to get the ball to, which does scare me. He looked great last night, but he has not been, in my opinion, a, a real asset to the offense. Um, but, you know, you, you're you out of, you know, choices now. I mean, being, and, I mean, you got no choice. You're not going to play. Right. I don't think they're going to play Tim Jones and Elijah yeah. Cooks for yeah. 50 snaps. And, and, and one of the reasons he hasn't been a real productive offensive player, there was no point in using him. You had Zay Jones, Ridley, Christian Kirk. Why would you play the fourth guy? It, it made no sense. You had, you had Evan Ingram, who's a really good receiver. Well, now, not only are you down two guys, you're also not blocking well enough for your running game to be of impact. Remember, 
Travis Etienne was a dominant player last year. For whatever reason, he's not a dominant player. They're not blocking as well. He's not a dominant player this year. He, there's, there's, and it's not like he's missing hole. I thought he had as much energy yesterday as he's had in a while. He, he said he's healthier than he's been. You could feel that, couldn't you? There's just nothing there. No. Th- th- he's not missing hole. He wasn't missing holes. And other teams use the screen game so well. You know why? Because the offensive linemen can block for the screen game to work. That's why when people say, why can't the Jaguars screen game work? Because the offensive linemen can't block long enough for it to work. Yeah, but, 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 but that's the bottom line. So, again, you win, you, win games, you win games with toughness and physicality, but this team isn't going to be able to do that. This team isn't going to be able to run the foot. I'm convinced now. But they make up for it by also being a dumb team. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So we'll see. We'll take a break. Uh, let's talk some college football. Uh, Gators recruiting. Uh, they're a little active in the portal now, it looks like. That and more. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion. Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders with you. He's loving that 80s. So you hear that 80s music, you just get all excited, don't you? It's one of the, I think, great 80s songs. I'm not song. sure there's a song in a movie tied together as much as this song is tied to The Breakfast Club. No question. And, and I thought, and the, uh, 100% agree with that. And The Breakfast Club really is much acclaim as it got. Still never got a yeah. Phenomenal. I know it just looks like one of the team, whatever they call them, the team, the, right. the Molly Rigwald and his Estevez and all. Right, what's that? Brad Pat. Right. But it was really good. It was. Really good. And, and it's one of, it's unfortunately. Judd Nelson, by the way, in that movie? A phenomenal. Stole the show. Oh, yeah. He stole it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the Gilgood of, uh, yeah. of 80s uh, yeah. uh, Rebels. And, yeah. uh yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's a great movie, and it, it, again, it's an original movie. They don't make movies like that anymore. I mean, you. I don't know. I don't think you could get that movie made today, right. if you said, "What's the what's the plot of the movie?" Well, the plot of the movie is it's uh, five kids that are right. serving a Saturday detention, and the whole thing takes place there, and it's just their conversations about you know their trials and tribulations of of being young. Nah, we're not gonna give you any money to make that movie, and uh, but it's it's a classic. You saw it. I did. Yeah, it was really good. I think. What's interesting is when you spell that out, I think young people would love a movie like that made in today's day and age with, you know, social media and what that does to them and playing fantasy football, like getting in trouble for that at school. Like, I think the movie could do really well in today's day and age. But like you said, if it doesn't have like an action hero or, you know, those Marvel things, I feel like it's not going to be made. So uh, but yeah, great movie. What, what, what was Judd Nelson? John, what was his last name? Judd Bender. Nelson. John Bender. Love Bender. Mm-hmm. Who didn't love John Bender? Yeah. Love John Bender. Um, uh, so so give me catch me up. Florida got some portal guys. They, they the did. Slackman guy everybody wanted. I'll say that. The That's def- a big one. He's the defensive lineman out of Penn or mm-hmm. Yes, Penn. Harvard couldn't block him. <laughs> <laughs> please I was gonna make some Ivy League jokes. Please yeah. don't get ahead of me. Okay, okay sorry. sorry. <laughs> that kind of bothers me a little bit. You're a little quicker to the draw than I wanted you to be there. But but the uh, but uh, but for whatever reason he's the guy that seriously everybody wanted. Everybody wanted him. Yeah. He, so yeah, so that's uh that's a fantastic addition for Billy Napier and uh and, and look, I mean they really need offensive tackles. Uh and and so that is a position of, of great need. And so they, they get a right tackle from San Diego State. 
Uh, so who started a lot of games, so that should really help. And then they got a very versatile Oregon defensive back. Uh, he can play nickel. He could play corner. He's probably a safety at Florida because that's probably their weakest position on the football team. It certainly was last season. And so it stands to reason that it's, it's you know, in need of, of new blood immediately. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's three good additions. And, uh, you know, we'll see if, uh, if this momentum can continue. But, yeah, getting, uh, getting Slackman uh, for the defensive front, he is somebody who the expectation will be that he should be a quality player at the SEC level. And then the offensive tackle, I immediately thought of you, Hayes. He's 6'6", 3'10", Brandon Crenshaw-Dixon. I thought of your, your hope that they add the most poundage in all yes. the transfer portal. I thought, well, he goes certainly a long he will way. Help. Yeah, and I think uh, Slackman might be like 295, 285, yeah. or 295, somewhere in there, so also a big guy. But he's pretty good defensive. They, they think he's pretty good. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks he's pretty good. Uh, how, I still think they've got – and they got a corner, a cover corner today, right? Trick Wheezy Bridges. That's, yeah. that's the guy. guy. He could be – he's probably a safety, a safety Yeah, he's them. a defensive back. He's a, he's a defensive back. back. Yeah, so but, – but, again, that's three guys, and they, they, the, the goal is to get eight to ten, I would think, at least, right? I would think now, from a number standpoint, they don't really have a ton of room, which is interesting. Uh, and so I would still anticipate six or seven players from this past season – eventually moving on right. but for some of them they need to get the degree first so you may see it where like unfortunately for Florida like they may be kind of stuck like they may not be able to take 12 guys out of the portal now but then once you get beyond spring those players will graduate and they can move on and then so maybe post spring practice they're able to add but that obviously is you know not as advantageous as doing it now uh, because you want those players to be able to go through spring drills, obviously, and just your off-season program. So uh, it, it'll be, it will be interesting to see if they're able to clear any more room uh, in the next couple of weeks. They may be kind of, from a roster standpoint, uh, stuck because we talked about it. They didn't have a lot of seniors. And so, you know, they and, – and guys can only transfer – I mean, it seems like you can transfer just on a whim, but, it, you know, for some of these guys, if they've already transferred to Florida once and it's not working out, they need the degree before they can they can go again. So, again, they can get the degree in the spring, transfer post-spring practice. Uh, the, the problem for Florida will be, is there great talent in that post-spring window? Yeah, I think the important thing, Frank, was they got bodies. I mean, hopefully also talented players, but – the narrative out there was, well, Florida still doesn't have a player from the transfer portal. Nobody wants to go to Florida in the transfer portal. Well, now they have three players. Like I said, I think some talent too, but it was just important to l- get on the board. Yeah, the, the, and I think they need to continue to do that. Um, I also think this. Do, do you sense there will be more staff changes at Florida? I don't know. It's hard to predict that. I mean, because it's just it's been so slow to this point, but uh, I, I just – so I, I, it, the timing would suggest that it's probably going to be status quo because it doesn't make a ton of sense that he would fire a couple defensive assistants immediately and then come back weeks later and start firing more. So I don't know if, uh, you know, th- there's a couple things that could be in play. There could be coaches that just move on on their own that just you know, like Patrick Tony wasn't fired. He just got an NFL job, moved on as defensive coordinator. So I, I almost wonder if, if whether it's they're encouraging somebody to do it or uh, just losing a, a, you know, somebody that 
you know, to an NFL job, maybe that would, would open something up. But, I mean, I, I, it doesn't, certainly doesn't feel like anything's imminent. What I think is if he would change if – he, if he would announce – I always said, I said this all along. If he would announce – every indication, all the evidence says he's not changing his coordinator, offensive coordinator. But if he would, just the mo- what that would do for him – I said this before. In the world of social media and Gator Nation, go bring in Joe Blow, who's, whose team – led the whack in offense at Fresno. You know what I mean? Even, even, if, even if he's not as good, that's what pe- – the offseason is about having to recruit against yourself and against your own people and all the people that hate you and think you're a terrible coach and think you should be fired. And Well, that quiets them. You say, well, that doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does matter. It certainly matters in recruiting. You're still recruiting, by the way. The recruiting doesn't end. You're recruiting for the, the rest of the, to your, the February date. You're recruiting for, and if that's already full, you're recruiting for the next year. You're still recruiting portal guys throughout. You know what I mean? So I think that if you if you could just make a move or two like that, that I thought that was the biggest thing about the offensive coordinator. Not that I'm smart enough to know what the new coordinator is going to do with this with this personnel, but it would it would it's a win in the he needs some wins in the fan base, and that would be a win in the fan base, even if it didn't turn out to be great. Yeah, I guess I stopped hoping he was going to hire an offense coordinator and a special teams coordinator because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah, and and who knows if it's going to or not, but I just think stuff like that, I, like like the, the two portal guys, there was positivity in the fan base. Absolutely. And, and it kind of quieted the fact that they lose Philomy or whatever his name is. Philsemi. Philsemi, because you knew they were going to lose him. All right, so I think, I think on Wednesday, if they wind up getting Lagway, McCray, and then all the other cats. Or, uh, who who else might they lose? They're going to lose Amaris Williams. Yeah, he's going. He's right. He's going to go. They Auburn, haven't already. Probably Auburn. Maybe he 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 recruit. He tweets War Damn Eagle about every day. So I bet he's going to Auburn. I mean, you ever you ever, see, be, yeah. you ever see his tweets? Mm-hmm. WDE. Mm-hmm. So 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 that that would indicate. Um, but the rest of them, they think they have a pretty good chance of keeping. I think. Let's say they lose Williams and Phil Sami, and the rest of them stay. Let's assume that. Again, you follow recruiting better than I do. You know the names better than I do. But, but, but they, they all, the rest of them stay. And they get two more guys that move the needle in the minds of the public like these two portal linemen. Doesn't that, doesn't that breathe some positivity into a, what's been an awfully negative, depressed fan base? Yeah, I think, I think it would certainly help. I mean, I, I think just Lagway alone, is as soon as he's officially a Gator – then I think the fan base gets really interested in seeing him and what does he do in the spring. And again, that's no knock on Graham Mertz, but Graham Mertz is a is a B level player at the college level. He's a B. You hope Lagway in time becomes an A plus and a you know an iconic college player for your university. Uh, and so there will be while no one wants you know Graham Mertz to you know not be the starter. I think there's going to be a ton of interest and in just everything you can get your hands on for information on Lagway in terms of, you know, in, before spring starts, well, how's he, how's he look? How's he going through thing? You know, what, what's the buzz, you know, are they happy with him? Is, is he happy with them? Then obviously spring practice, he's going to be the biggest storyline by a mile. And uh, cause you would like to think that even if Graham Mertz does remain a steady player, that Lagway could give them some element of an offense that I, would be effective in their biggest games, whatever that package is, whether that's a, a run package, whether it's, you know, however they want to design it, but that Lagway is able in year one 
to at least give them some supplemental offense. Has there ever been a quarterback at Florida with this much pressure on them like before they ever took a snap? Oh, just about yeah, all of them. Yeah. All of them. I mean, Brock Berlin had a Brock ton. Berlin had the yeah. most. Chris Leak. They, uh, mm-hmm. But it feels like it. the program was in good hands then. Yeah. I feel like Lagway is being charged well, with literally bringing Florida from yeah. below 500 to a 10-win team. But any four- or five-star quarterback that signs has pressure. The, the, that, that, that's the nature of the position. The nature like John of the, Brantley is one that I think of that had a ton of pressure. Ton of pressure. A ton of, but, he, those, he was again, following was, but the program was in such good hands that you yeah. weren't like as worried. Yeah, so, so we'll see. I'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about players opting out. My thoughts on that. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. So Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. Carline, Lauren Brooks, R.J. Saunders. Is he saying hold on or oh, Lord? Oh, Lord, I think. Okay, what, that's I, what I thought. I'm trying to think what you're talking about. After I thought he was, I thought he was all saying, my hold life. On. Okay, see, I just had this. Yeah, right there. Oh, yeah, I think that is hold on. Yeah. No. But by the way, I got a question for you. Because I Googled it and it said oh, Lord, which is what I thought it was. But a lot of people oh, think, that, hold I, on. Oh, then it's so low. So I, but I don't know. Well, then if you Googled it, that's what well, it yeah. is. But Google isn't Phil Collins. You know, but here's my question. That RJ, great, get Phil Collins on the phone. <laughs> on that great, great song. I got a question for Give you. Give me three minutes. Who do you, who do you think <laughs> was playing drums? Phil Collins. Phil Collins, yeah, for God's absolutely. sake. Did you know that? I did. Unbelievable. So um, I, I got a thought on the transfer portal. Not the transfer portal. The opt-out thing. Um, Stuff. Jaden Daniels is opting out. All the good players are opting out. I, I saw that. And I get it. And I, and you said the point at the top of the program, Hayes, and I agree with you on this, that if I'm going to play in the NFL, why would I risk getting hurt? And I, and I understand it. And I, under, and I get it. But I think somehow we have to figure – because once – if you think it's the case now, wait till we go to 12 teams. And then it really is – then these bowls become the NIT. And I just – I mean, all of them. They all become the NIT then. So how many? How many? By the way, how many bowls are involved in the new playoff? The first, the first round is home and home. I mean, it's home. So, Correct. So four teams get a bye, right? And then there's then there's four games that they play home games. So that eliminate that gets us to eight. Is it all bowls then? Yes. So there's only one round. Okay. So there's seven. There's seven games, right? I think so. There's seven. If there's eight teams, yeah. there's seven games because everybody right. loses but one. So there's seven games. All right. So. Does every bowl – and, and really one of them is a championship game, so it's six bowls. The New Year's six plus the championship game, I guess. Is that that's probably what it is? Uh, yes. Okay. I just worry for bowls like the Gator Bowl and others, how unimportant are they rendered – or they, do they become the underclassmen bowl? That's what I think it, it'll become. I think we're almost headed to where the only people playing, and I just wonder what – it just breaks my heart that the bowls won't be as important. But if we can do that, if it – you see my point? If, we, if it can evolve into the underclassmen bowl. The, the next year's team, and then before you know it, just about everybody's doing that, then it changes what it is a little bit, it, it, at least in my mind. I can tell you this, even watching the NIT, 
If I watch the NIT as a Gator fan, because the Gators are in that thing way too often, by the way, before the portal years, okay, you went to the NIT, but it's a lot of young guys, and at least it's a precursor of what my team is next year, right? Well, now it's not anymore because nobody, nobody does that anymore in basketball. But football, I think you still could. Play your young quarterback who's going to be your, ne- your quarterback next year. I guess that's the point. Play your young guy, not just to finish the not, – not the senior who never gets to play because the, don't play – is Garrett Mussmeyer – Whoever, if, if Garrett Nussmeyer was a junior or in, in May League, don't play him. Play the young guy. Play Walker Howard, right, who's going to be your guy. I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, and, and again, we've always talked about how cool it would be if instead of having spring games that we had an actual exhibition between two different schools. Well, it's almost like you're getting that. It's just four months before you wanted it. Um, but that's – and unfortunately, somebody's going to get a win or loss attached to their record from, you know, the year that they've just completed. But – uh, yeah, I, I think the timeline is going to shift a little bit to if you're in a bowl game that is not a playoff bowl game, then I do think you sort of have an eye on the future a little bit. It's sort of the first uh, look at, at next year's team, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I also think the opt-out thing isn't quite as extreme as – I mean, this is where I think people are with the opt-outs. If you're like a top 50 pick – you're, if you feel that, you're probably not playing in the bowl game. But if you're a third-round pick, I mean, you you can still help yourself by playing in the bowl game. I mean, you know, particularly if you've had, you know, either you've struggled during the season, maybe you missed, you know, a chunk of the season with an injury. Uh, it gives you an opportunity, one last chance to say, you know, hey, this is where I'm at right now physically. Look at what I did in our bowl game. So I still think the opt-outs are, are probably going to be limited to the guys that are really at the top of the draft class. I, otherwise, I think you're if you're projected to be a third, fourth round pick and you're not playing in the bowl game, I know we've seen guys do that, uh, but but I think that's a mistake. I think you should use that opportunity to play in the bowl game and see if you can enhance your stock a little bit by having a great game. In college football news, Carson Beck just tweeted out that he will return to Georgia for his senior season. I know most of us thought that was going to be the case. He said the NFL can wait. He also wants everyone's support in Miami to close the season out the right way. That's so cool, by the way. That is great, especially as we're having these conversations. But good luck, Seminoles, because uh, you've got Carson yeah. Beck on the other side. For Georgia, Frank, the problem with the underclassmen bowl is nobody thinks that the freshman backup quarterback is going to be the quarterback next year or, mind you, the rest of the underclassmen because they think the coach is going to go fill those spots Correct. with the transfer Well, and that's the, and the same thing with basketball. That's why the NIT is, doesn't, doesn't have significance. I agree with that. And, but – but, but you're right. I almost wonder, would you be – and I guess not, but would you almost be better off if the portal guy could come and play? If next year's portal guy could come and play? I mean, would, would you be – would FSU be better – now, it's not fair because you want to give the guy this weight of this turn. I get it. I get the, the equity thing. But let's say for the sake of the discussion, Cam Ward, that's the Washington State guy, commits to FSU. Wouldn't it be great if he'd go play in that game? I mean, wouldn't that be now? Now you got next year's guy versus next year's guy. Listen again, I, you can't do it because yeah, the Robin, current team would be furious that yeah, Cam Ward's I, not playing yeah, for them. Yeah, well, that, yeah, but again, if you, good point, but he, he's probably not. He's already said he's in the portal. He's not. I don't even know Washington State's in the bowl, but if they are, he's not playing for him. So wouldn't it be? I gr- think they were five and seven. Okay, so they're not. But but or maybe DJ Uyunglele, whoever. Right. But my point is, let's say FSU sign gets a commitment for this guy. Wouldn't it be great? If the FSU Georgia Orange Bowl was Carson Beck versus Cam Ward, two guys who are going to be leading the teams next year, I, again, you can't do it because it's not fair to Tate Rodemaker and Brock Glenn and whoever else who, who've waited their turn. And he wouldn't but, know the playbook. And- right. 
But but I well, you could fig- you I could give him ten plays, you know. But but I watched what happens when Jack Miller waited his turn. Okay, that was a heck of a bowl game. Hey, it was electric. I mean, I, I mean, the electric. Hey, I mean, I watched he it. kept the streak alive. Yes, he did. God bless him for it. But you know, I mean, and Hayes well, is not referring to a winning streak. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I, I can tell you is is Graham Mertz. Nobody wanted him, but Graham Mertz against Oregon State, it wouldn't have been thirty. It might have been thirty to six. Okay, right. but, because there were no other good players. But I just, I know what you mean. I just hate that. It's, I just hate that. These things, the bowl games are going to mean so little if nobody's playing in them anymore. And, and but I, and how I, is it different than now? Well, it's not different than now, but it's damn okay. sure different than 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's damn yeah. Sure I thought different. you meant the, the 12-team playoff was going to render no, them no, I mean, that's it where, different than it No, I mean, is. that's where we are. Okay. And I, hate, and I hate that that's where we are. It bothers me. That that now, you could pay NIL money to a player, let's say, for instance, not Jaden Daniels because he's going to go up too, or go too high in the draft, but let's say your offensive tackle who's probably going to go in the second round of the draft. You could give him some NIL money to try and play in the bowl game, Frank, if you want to. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's it. Maybe could you pay him to play? You know, I like that idea, but but would it be wasted money? Would you want to save? You only have so much NIL money. Right. You and you're not going to get close to what he's going to make in the NFL. And do you want to say? Do you want to save it for a portal guy? You know, so I mean, probably not to win the Outback Bowl. Yeah, well, that, well, that, and that's and that's and therein lies the point. And maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe a bunch of walk-ons and backups play, and you lose thirty to three to Oregon State, and nobody cares. You know, but it just just for me, I hate that that's like that. I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you want to see the best against the best. Bowl games present unique matchups because it's conference versus conference, and so yeah, you're losing that. It would be fun certainly to see these top quarterbacks one last time before they're the bell ball in this uh, upcoming draft. But I, I still think the opt-outs or or most bowl games that you watch. I'd say 95% of the starters are playing. You know, I, I, I don't think we're at a point where you're seeing 50% of rosters not participating uh, because they're opting out for the draft. I mean, so I, I don't think it's going to get to that level. But, yeah, I think we're in an era where, you know, if, if you're watching a game that's – if you're watching a non-playoff bowl game that takes place after December 29th, you know, so you're you're more of your power conference schools. I, there's probably going to be two to three guys on each squad that aren't playing in the game, but the bulk of the team will be playing in the game. Like for Florida, it would be interesting. So you have, and it may, I guess, have been different. Would Uman Mielin be transferring if Florida had made a bowl? That is a conversation, but just to say, yes, he's entered the transfer portal already. If Florida had made a bowl, would he have played in yeah. the bowl game? Like, yeah. That I don't it, know. Once he's in the portal, no. Nobody, right. nobody but would he have entered the portal if Florida yeah. had made the bowl game? You, At this point, probably not. You, you, you never know. So, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I mean, I – man, is he good. Man, is he fun. I, I would have loved to have called one of his games when I wasn't freaking rooting against him, you know? Because he is mar- he's marvelous to watch. I-, I can't I'm trying to remember how many NFL quarterbacks have been more fun to watch and, and again it's painful for us because he's he's the enemy. He's it's painful by the way for thirty one teams, right? Mm-hmm. But what a marvelous player. That's next day with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet.
Pink, I heard you played golf over the weekend. Oh, my weekend. It was rainy. It was dreary. It was blowing sideways. Might have had a few too many of those old fashions before. Might have had a few more after. And it was a... Uh, but none during golf. None during. It was rainy, dreary. We have, we have a running joke with our friends. My buddy, we have we play four of us. My buddy Lenny, my buddy Don, my buddy Brian, Brian and me. And uh, Lenny and Lenny and Don are normal. They're just normal, normal people. I'm the biggest rain wimp. If it even dr- if it's cloudy, I'm ready to go to the bar. I don't want. I hate playing in the rain. And my buddy Brian would play in a category four. <laughs> so 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 Lenny wasn't playing because he's getting ready for the party. So it was raining and starts spitting, and then it's raining sideways. I couldn't get off. I, I, I made it through 13. I said, screw it. I'm what time did you start? What time was tea time on Saturday? 12.30. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. A little too yeah, late. Yeah, so. But you probably couldn't have had an earlier tea time mm. due to the old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, I probably could. Well, Bill, boy, but we had, I, I got to tell you a funny story. No, not a story, but we had a had chef come over and cook for my wife's dinner. Fried chicken to die for. You like fried chicken? Love it. It's the, and my friend, I'm a shameless plug for Kimmy Savage, who the the the, the um, chef at uh, um, uh, Pastiche. Oh my God! More fried chicken. Went a bunch of us over there, and then we went to watch Christmas lights. It was fantastic. But I got to tell you, Brooks, I had a big red velvet cake. It was big. It was fantastic. Were you allowed to eat that? You eat whatever you want. Okay. Okay. If, if was red velvet cake the same as carrot cake in terms of fattening? In the event that in the event that carrot cake wasn't good for you, is it the same? I don't know which one's more fattening. I I would assume they both have the same amount of sugar. Okay. What do you think? I would think. The carrot cake is more fattening. Harris, like, can we get the football? <laughs> Do I really? Yeah. Have to? So I would think the carrot cake is supposed to be the most fattening one. Which is why oh, you really? Which is why you didn't want me eating it. It's well, sugar, because your doctor told you you're not supposed to have sugar. Sugar is bad. So therefore, okay. all desserts all right, to your enough. doctor are bad. Fair enough. Although we might have kind of joked a little bit at the second party that people that heard the show last week said, "Does Lauren show up? <laughs> Does Lauren show up with a scale?" <laughs> We thought we thought Lauren would show up with a scale and say, "All right, now you're not getting on that thing at all." But one buddy Steve goes. She seems so nice. I said, "Well, yeah, until you till, till you take a bite of that bread pudding and she tells you about your fat self." <laughs> until then, till till then, she's nice. That's who she is. Um, I'm watching this guy yesterday. It's well, not Lamar. like it's not that like we haven't seen him. And I remember you saw him in the Gator Bowl when he wasn't very good. He threw five interceptions. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I'm. Watch- I mean, I watched him during college, and yeah. I knew he was he was talented. Yeah. But when you see a quarterback throw five interceptions in one game, you think, okay, the, he's not going to be good in the NFL because. That college level, obviously, the talent isn't nearly as good as the NFL. But I think he's one of the quarterbacks that has grown the most over his time in the NFL as far as being a pocket passer, his awareness. I mean, what he's able to do and stay so calm as he evaluates the field, I mean, that's what every quarterback's coach teaches the quarterbacks is keep your eyes downfield even when the pocket's collapsing. Lamar just kind of – it's like he's on ice skates, Hayes, and he just kind of ice skates around back there until something opens up and because his receivers slash tight ends are paying attention, things typically open up for him. He's 56 and 19 as a starter. Well, that. I mean, that's incredible. He's only lost 19 games in this league as a starter. Isn't he's been amazing? in the league a long time. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, he's, he's a winner. I mean, it starts there. I mean, to be, have that kind of a record, that's just spectacular. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just so unique and frustrating. And uh, he's – he, when he's healthy, I mean, he is really, really difficult to stop. The only thing that has slowed Baltimore down since he has been their quarterback is injuries. When he's available, they are incredibly difficult to beat, as the numbers suggest. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was outstanding last night. I, I really thought the Jaguar defense had the offense, uh, you know, not just thrown up all over themselves for the first 30 minutes. I, I, I really thought we were headed towards an outstanding game that the too. Jaguars could have won because I, I didn't feel like Lamar Jackson took the game over at any point. But, you know, he, he didn't make a ton of big mistakes. And, and, you know, his receivers did come up big for him. Uh, on some of the the fifty fifty balls that he put up, but but he's obviously he's an incredible athlete, uh, an unbelievable quarterback, and is richly deserving of being at yeah. the forefront of the M- MVP discussion. Do you realize this could be his third rush year of rushing over a thousand yards? I mean, yeah, he, I mean it's a surprise when he doesn't get it. Yeah. He, he's been, he's been their leading rusher six years in a row, and uh, and you're right, Lauren. He's become a better drop-back passer, I mean, a better pocket passer than he's ever been. He's, he's on point. Um, but he's so fu- – I mean, you can't get him on the ground. It's almost – he. I don't know if those are RPOs or called runs, but he always has it at the right time, always. And he's got such a burst, and he's so quick, and his feet are so quick. I'm telling you what, he's a really there, – there was a belief once upon a time that he would never be an accurate enough passer for them to win a Super Bowl under him. I don't believe that. He, he's completing 66% and watching that. I mean, calling that game yesterday, I saw watching that game. That dude's always on the money. It's, it's not like he's, you know, this isn't some running athlete guy who plays quarterback. He's a quarterback who's good at running. And, and, that, and that wasn't what, I mean, he is, I'm telling you, man, he is, a, he is a fun player to watch. He's electric. He's on a good team that's well coached. Todd Munkin's done a great job with them. I think he's changed them. I'm telling you, they and but you're right, Hayes. I thought the Jags were right in the game with them, but uh, I, I will t- I will tell you this: if the Jags get eliminated, whether they don't make the playoffs, whether they make the playoffs and don't go very far, whatever, if the Jags aren't around, I got to tell you, I hope he's the. I hope he's in the Super Bowl. I hope he's. I mean, someone's going to go from the AFC. I used to think the most fun guy to watch was Mahomes. I think this guy's the most fun guy to watch. I think he's the most fun guy to watch for me right now. Yeah, he's certainly uh, electrifying, and and that will be a massive storyline in January, particularly if the Ravens do have home field throughout. Is his lack of playoff success? He's one in three uh, career in the playoffs. Really hasn't been in it since 2020, because again, he hasn't been healthy, and and it's derailed Baltimore season. So, uh, Lamar Jackson, that is going to be a, a, a we obviously we know it's going to be that way about Dak and Dallas and the Cowboys. That storyline never goes away, but. Uh, right now, everybody's focusing on the Ravens and, and the incredible season that they're having, and rightfully so. But when we turn the page uh, to the tournament, that is going to be a storyline at the forefront of, of what you're saying, is can Lamar Jackson finally put that criticism to bed that his style of play is not going to lead to success in the playoffs? And again, his record one in three, when you contrast that with how great he's been in the regular season, that is something that obviously is incredibly motivating for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. He also got a lot of help from his run game when he needed it. Keaton Mitchell and Justice Hill both were, and obviously he was the leading rusher, so he creates the runs himself as well. But when you can hand the ball off and can get 15 yards or 18 yeah, yards, I mean, yeah. that is so helpful. And, and then, yeah, that creates a lot of other things. But I will say in watching and contrasting Trevor and Lamar, certainly Lamar is going to be way more mobile. But he also has the touch on the ball. So even when he's escaping pressure, he still isn't throwing these lasers. And I do think that's a little bit easier for his guys to catch the football. And he also has got a big arm. He, how many how many shows 
throws that he made yesterday off his back foot while getting hit right on the butt. Felt like all of them. And didn't yeah. it feel, it feel yeah. like so many off his back foot? So it did. So, so we so we had lunch today. Uh, Lauren and I had lunch with Reed Parman, who's our, our big chief, uh, our friend from Big Chief, who's such a wonderful guy. I love Reed and Kelsey. Thank you for, for joining us for lunch today if you're listening. But Reed brought up a great question. Let me ask you this, Hayes. If, if all of a sudden you took all the players off all the teams and every, pl- and every team had no players and you had to go draft players to build teams around, okay? So everybody, you got to go draft players, all right? And, and nobody, no players are on any team. What would you, where would Trevor go? Patrick Mahomes would go one. I Trevor assume. would probably go sixth. Sixth overall draft? Like over Aaron Donald while well, he's a little old. All yeah. player, I mean, all They'd all be quarterbacks. I mean, I, mean, I mean, the first 32 picks would Well, that's the question. But certainly the first Mike 17 Parsons. would they be okay? Would that be quarterbacks. Even ahead of Micah Parsons and Aaron. I think, so. yeah, I, I think you'd have to. But it's a cool of, question, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. It's, it's a great question. Absolutely. And so, so I'm, I'm wondering, would you, if you, had a, if, if you were drafting a team, and maybe you're right, maybe because they're quarterbacks, where would they go? I had Trevor top 10. I don't know if I had him say. I, I think Mahomes is one. Burrow, Josh Allen, those guys are all quarterbacks. Lamar, I think. The I qu- threw in C.J. Stroud because yeah, qu- I don't know he, how yeah, NFL people yeah. would assess it. So the quarterbacks go four or five. Then I wonder where's Micah Parsons, where's T.J. Watt, where is Aaron Donald's probably a little older. You probably wouldn't. Draft, you know what I mean? But I, but I, but I wonder where Trevor would go in that draft. It would almost be fun to do it, wouldn't it? That'd be great. It would almost just do a draft of all the players in the NFL. And and let's go right through it. And where would they where would they wind up? I I, I don't know that I take Trevor or maybe I would. After, once you get beyond Mahomes, Burrow, Lamar, I think maybe Josh Allen. Definitely. I don't know that I take. I guess I, you still got to take him before Micah Parsons, don't you? Yeah. You because because they have the ball every play. I mean, I mean, I guess you do. You know what I mean? I, but I've thought through all this. McCaffrey, where's McCaffrey go in that draft? Third round. You think third round? You think running back's that low, huh? Really? Interesting. You may be right. I mean, I think it's just it's just a really fun time. Third round. Because all the pass rushers would go. Yeah. I and all you. the offensive tackles would I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's fantastic, but you yeah. still have to protect your franchise Where would Parsons go? 22nd. Wow. Do you agree with that? That he'd go that low is what you're saying? That he would go 22nd instead of 7th. I mean, I agree with Hayes. The quarterbacks yeah. would have a run. Yeah. But, I mean. I don't want you Brock to be Purdy, right about this, way. but you probably are. You know, I mean, you know, I, mean I, I hear you. I, I Some NFL it. teams, I think, would take Brock Purdy over Trevor Lawrence just as we sit here today. Yeah. I, I, I don't I'm not think, saying I would. I don't think many teams would do that. I, I don't think many teams would. Brock Purdy would have to show it more than you take him over a guy with Trevor's arm and Trevor's stuff. I don't, I don't agree with that. But I. But I Interesting. I just, I just, it's a very interesting question. Where's Lamar going in that draft? Ninth. Right behind Trevor. Behind Trevor. Yeah, probably. Would. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd take him behind Trevor. I'd have to, and I love Trevor, but I, uh, my, my, I think so. So your list, your order would be. Yeah, because you're well, talking about building something. That's right. Like uh, this is a draft, and this is going to be a new league. Yeah, and this, is, yeah, this is forever. Yeah, yeah. Not just for like a season. So, which yeah. is why age matters. Yeah, right. yeah. That's that's why Aaron. Aaron Donald wouldn't go high for me because he's 30, right? right? He's in his 30s. But I, but I would think so. Anyway, it's an interesting question. Interesting. But I, five years ago, Aaron Donald certainly would have gone. Yeah. I, uh, anyway, I just think Lamar Jackson, I, again, I wish he uh, – it's hard. I mean, if, you're not, if you don't have a team that's playing against him, I, we, and we even said it in our broadcast. We even said during the broadcast yesterday how much fun this guy would be to watch 
if he wasn't if he wasn't um, playing against you. Yeah, and if they had Mark Andrews, just imagine how much better that yeah, he, they would exactly be. Right. So, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Johnny O joins us. We'll talk some Jaguars with the Ozone after this. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now it's time for the O Show with John Osher from Jaguars.com. Oh. 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 Honest admission. You want honest admission? Did you email him? <laughs> Did not. Honest admission. <laughs> I don't even particularly like Johnny O. Okay? I, don't, I never have liked him. I've known him for 30 years. Why would you? There's but, not uh, much there. But I don't. <laughs> there's not much there. But I probably enjoyed that steak dinner about as much or his crab cake, whatever the hell you ate. Yeah. Th- that was real. I, I was thinking about yeah, some of the sure. stories that were told that night mm-hmm. that won't make the air that I thought was pretty fun that night, Johnny. I want to invite you back. Well, I'm going to invite you back out. All right. Well, I, I, I just that's what I'm going to do. That's that's sort of been the highlight of yeah. the last eight eight or nine days. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and and Carline was with us, and just so you know, I really don't like him. So, yeah. so I'm going to all these people I don't like coming out. So, um, yeah, that was tough yesterday. Um, weird game. I didn't think they were going to win, but for a while there, and Hayes made the point a minute ago. It looked like they were playing pretty well for a while. Mm-hmm. And so, um, John, where are they now? Where are they psychologically? I'm not even talking about Trevor's health. We'll sure. get to that in a minute, but. Are they are they psychologically are they bummed out? Are they have they lost all their confidence? Are they still where they were? What do you think? Well, I'm not I'm not trying to not answer the question, uh, but it's sort of what I've been thinking about all day. I think that's what we find out Sunday. Yeah. Meaning I hear you. You can look at it one way and say, Oh, they've lost three games, season's over. Look at it another way and they've lost three games to teams that on paper are fighting it out in the league's toughest division so you lost three games that aren't that shocking in retrospect and yet as soon as you say that the reason they lost them is they played bad in some situations that they shouldn't be playing bad in anymore does that yeah. ma- i mean yeah it makes sense i'm not really getting to it because it's hard to get at the point i'm trying to make it yeah you probably weren't the better team in the games but the reason you weren't the better team is you made mistakes that you shouldn't be making. So they could have been. It, it, I think it all circles back to the theme Doug's been hitting on for two or three weeks and that now is sort of a theme you can't miss. Get out of their own way and see if you can win if you just don't give it away. Uh, I don't think they'd have won even if they hadn't given it away last night. But it could have been decided in the last two minutes. So... I don't know how to answer your question because if they're a team that's going to do that, then they're not going to win anymore. But they don't have to be that team, yeah. and yet they have been. And I keep talking around it because it's it's so frustrating to, to, to try to find that point, but I think that's where they are. Are you surprised that we're seeing the plays out of Trevor, that we're seeing careless ball security, uh, no comprehension of the clock, and things like that, are those errors that at all concern you? Well, they have to at this point. And when you say concern, uh, don't take it to mean that I don't think he's the guy. Right. Um, but Concern that he's not taking maybe steps in certain areas well, that you would expect. Yeah, because point. that's for everything else that he brings, the toughness, the playmaking ability when it's there, the leadership, you know, the talent, the fact that he has raised the franchise. Um, there are 
ball protection, awareness, football sense things that he hasn't mastered yet. And I think that's probably what's a little frustrating to the coaches that you just want to say, dude, that this part's not the hard part. I mean, the hard part is being blessed by God, you know, and right, right. and having the talent and all the all the study you're putting in and all these other things that aren't fixable. If you don't have it, you don't have it. But this little part should be the part that's a little more fixable. Does that make any sense? I mean, I think that's probably I frustrating. I agree with that. You said last week you didn't think the Jaguars would be able to run the ball against the Ravens, and especially because they haven't been able to run the ball. What did you see out you of ETN? You pat me on the back now for yes, being right. Yes, I am. Going on. Yes, I am. What did you think of ETN at least, though? I mean, I, I think his effort's there. Uh, I don't I don't get the feeling – I'm not saying he's running perfectly because there are some things that he could be doing better, of course. But I don't I don't get the idea that he's leaving a whole lot of yards out there. Like um, – Maybe some because that always happens, but you still see when they try to run, uh, it's hard to get to the line of scrimmage. And maybe that's something to do with him. It seems to me this it's mostly the interior of the offensive line. At the end of the day, and I, Baselli always says this, and he's right, I agree with him 100%. At the end of the day, the most physical team generally wins the game. Mm-hmm. And there, there's always exceptions because things go funky, but at the end of the day, the most physical team usually wins the game, John. And I and I worry now that they're going to have a tough time being the most physical team even down the stretch. Well, it's um, you do feel sometimes like they they have to play around the interior of the line, the offense, right? I, I, right, the interior of the offense. Yeah. And that, by the way, that's well said. Right. They, they have. I agree with you. It's it's that and what that means is and I interrupted you I'm sorry but it means horizontal That's your show friend. Yeah, but it means it means wide receiver screens it right. Right, it means playing around it yeah and that's what it's felt like and you know i guess until they show differently that's what you have to believe they are and they've been that and now i think you go to your next game which is what we'll all talk about d- down the stretch you say well how do you make the playoffs well there was an identity with this team for seven of eight games that you could stop the run, play pretty sound defense, create turnovers, and make some big plays offensively. That was, for seven of eight games, that's sort of what they were. I think you have to embrace that big time now because offensively you feel like with receivers going down, it's going to be a little limited. I think they have to embrace what they thought their identity was and hope. The other thing that concerned me about the end-of-half situation there, it wasn't just Trevor uh, and his lack of awareness, but I, I don't – A, I, I would have spiked it, mm-hmm. so I didn't get a lot of comfort in Doug saying post-game, nope, I, we were never going to spike it, we want to stay aggressive. Uh, but then two of your four routes aren't even going to the end zone. So I thought there was some coaching blame to be had there as well. Yeah, I think what – philosophically – I sort of get the idea that, you know, you go down. I've always thought there is a tendency sometimes to overspike, uh, especially like around 110 to go because you're giving away a down. Right. In that situation, a spike would have been fine. It wouldn't have wasted anything. But I sort of get the idea of, hey, we're going to hustle. We like the defense that's on the field for what we want to do. If that's the way they're thinking, I get that approach. Um I think overall, it's just 
in that situation, it's up to the quarterback to make sure if this isn't a touchdown, it's incomplete in the end zone. I, I, I am not going to run the risk of this play dying inside the field of play. Um, could the routes have been better? Maybe. But maybe you're also running these short routes with the idea that running those will clear up something. It's hard to score down there. So maybe you're trying to get defenders out of the end zone up close to open up something else. I don't know the details of that, but that might be an explanation over why that play was called. Are they admitting every time Blake Hans is eligible as a receiver, number 73, are they admitting at that point in time that they need help on the offensive line? Well, I think that's more admitting that they're down tight end, meaning it feels like they've done that more with Brenton Strange out. And I haven't really researched. I mean, I don't want to think about the question before you uh, asked it. But I think that's more with Strange out if they want to go to a certain two tight end look that you need the body. And with Luke Farrell, I don't know where else you go to find that sort of bulk. I would think that's what's going on there. I will tell you this, and then we're going to take a break, come back, and I want to talk about the Tampa game and about Trevor's health. But I I will tell you, this is one of those times where you look up and you think, I'm not sure what else they can do. You can't go get a bunch of new offensive linemen. You know, I think they're trying. By the way, it's a good team with a good culture. It's not like you know, there's no dogs out there. Mm-hmm. There's no you know, there's no stuff going on in the locker room where guys are jawing at each other. Or this guy doesn't work hard. Or this guy, you know, that's the that's that's great, but it's almost a problem because right. you can't you can't get rid of the bad attitude guy and fix it because he doesn't exist. So I, I'm not sure what you do to fix that. Well, and I was asked a lot last week, and one of them by Lauren, who just reminded me, um, will they be able to run? And I. I kind of had to say many times last week, I can't sit here and tell you that I think they're going to be really great at that against the number one run defense when I haven't seen it yeah. since, yeah. I don't know, maybe Buffalo. I mean, there were some times for a while they were getting over 100. Well, they haven't been over 100, I think, in, in five games. So it's hard to say they're going to do it. It's not they're not trying. They started off, they stuck with it as much as they feel like they can. Um, if there's a solution there – They've got to show us. I don't think you can uh, trust it at this point. I thought the defense played winning football. What did you think of the defensive side of things? Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes when the game gets out of hand against a team like that, the yards can get out of hand late and not be very indicative of what really happened. They had a tough drive on the first drive, but then they stopped, kept scoreboard pressure on them, if you will, and – we're within 10-7 and sort of a throw-up pass, which, you know, the the uh, Jackson pass to Likely, that was either interception or first down. If you get that, is it a different game? So 10 points to that team going in the fourth quarter. Um, I think if if you had asked him, if you asked Doug if that would be okay before the game, I think he'd have taken it and assumed that they wouldn't let four opportunities in the first half get away from him. That as Frank said, I don't necessarily think that they thought that was a game they sh- should win going in, you, you know, or that, hey, if we blow this, it's, it's a bad loss. But they had their formula, and they moved the ball, and if they just taken advantage of opportunities in the first half, when Agnew scores, they're up 10. And all of a sudden, the Ravens are playing uphill. They never made the Ravens play uphill last night. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, let's, talk, uh, let's talk about Trevor's health. Let's talk about overall team health. And look ahead to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One more segment with Johnny O. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's a Best Bet Monday on The Frangie Show with fantastic locations in Jacksonville, Orange Park, and now in St. Augustine. It's Best Bet. We love our friends from The Best Bet. Best Bet at three locations in town. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, RJ Saunders, Johnny O, one more segment. First of all, what's your guess on Trevor? And when will we know? Um, I think the striking thing about the concussion protocol is it's really one of those that you don't really see pre-reported very yeah. often. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think it's so protected and, and the rules are so precise that I think you know when you know. I mean, and so late in the week, and I think they have to prepare more, more so than they have with the other injuries. This is not necessarily one where Trevor can say, I'm going to gut it through. Well, that's exactly right. We, we had that talk okay, earlier. Got, yeah. He's so tough. Yeah. He's, that, that he'll find a way. To, he, he, this, one, this one's not up to him. Right. Nor should it be. And that's him. really, I think, why, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything everybody does, doesn't already know. That's why the rules are in place like this, to that's keep right. that right. from being up to the player. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, what do you think they do uh, in terms of the quarterback situation? So Rourke was claimed by New England, mm-hmm. so he's no longer here. Uh, so if Trevor is inactive, you've got Beathard and no one else. So what will be the mechanics of that? This their week? version of Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, you find somebody off the street, and it happened so late, and I was writing something else. I didn't even really look at who might be that. Uh, I don't think you can go in with Logan Cook as the backup. Right. Good third guy, yeah. but you know, so Mick Foles, where's Foles? Yeah, Come on, I, call him Mick Foles. That'll make the fans happy. I like that. That'd, um, that'd be a happy. Yeah. That'd be a happy fan base, wouldn't it? Uh, Foles flying into town. So I don't know exactly where you go, um, but they've got to make a move because you're not yeah. because of the unpredictable nature oh, yeah. of yeah, the concussion. You'll see, you'll see journeyman. Guy I mean, right. today or tomorrow, and, and he'll be a guy where somebody goes, "Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah, right, right. right. Jour- yeah. journeyman guy will be signed today or tomorrow." Yeah, right. so. Buckle up. <laughs> if you were Doug Peterson, would you bring in another kicker to at least bring someone in to no. compete with the Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I, the Cleveland miss was tough. Last night's 50 and 55 in that wind, um, I, I would not do that in response to that game. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Uh, now, there's a lot of, if it was 40 yards – and 42 yards, then maybe. But 50 and 55, that, that – uh, Well, you made 18 in a row. Yeah, so I, I don't think they're there yet on the kicker. Yeah. By the way, back to quarterback, Tebow. I think you got to go there, Johnny. Good show. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's a big Tebow fan. That's what you have to do. Um, the Bucks are playing really well. Yeah. That The other part – I, I said this earlier, John, uh, and, I, and I believe this. This is the most important – obviously, it's the important game because it's the next game. I know the cliche. No, I hear you. But, but because if you – they're going to beat the Panthers. No matter how dysfunctional it's been, mm-hmm. no matter who plays court, the Panthers are one of the worst NFL teams we've seen in a while. They, they just fired their coach. They're, they're gonna, and the game's here. They're going to beat the Panthers. I don't care how badly they've played here. They're going to beat the Panthers. So if you find a way to win this game, you're going to get to the 10 wins. Right. I mean, I think so. You're, you're going to – if you win this game, you're headed to Nashville 10-6, and six, and I think the, then I think you win the division. If, if that would mean, at worst, you've won two of the last three. I think so. That that's how enormous 
enormous this game is this week. And if you win this, then I think you look back and say, well, we played three really good teams. Like I Correct. said, had to go to Cleveland. That's tough. You, Cincinnati hasn't yes. lost since you lost to them. Right. Then I think everything else looks okay and it looks right. Uh, the Bucks have been playing very, very well. Uh, they're in a little situation like the Jaguars in, in that they haven't beaten anybody great. They have done very well against teams they're supposed to beat, uh, and they've accomplished that. They deserve to be where they, they are, just as the Jaguars deserve to be where they are because they've beaten teams, uh, again, the teams they ought to beat. Uh, I'll go back to what I said at the top of the show. I think it's really big for the Jags in the sense of if if you win this, then it feels like you're okay. Then you're in the driver's seat. Then you're probably controlling it. Uh, I don't know how to gauge their mindset because I think it's it, I think it's a toss up, and I think what Doug's approach that he talked about so much in the presser today, he's trying to reemphasize the positive. I think he's trying to help these guys remember, hey, you guys are pretty good. Don't always listen to everything that's negative right now. Uh, I think he's sort of at the end of his rope trying to figure out how to get that his messages across on those fronts. What concerns you about Tampa Bay's offense? Mayfield obviously had the huge day, and, and you know Mike Evans is, is still going really strong. Yeah, they that, the fact that, Mike Evans can beat you even if you play him well. Uh, Mayfield may have had the best day of his career. He's doing that a little more. They're rallying around him a little bit. Uh, the fact that they're scoring, and, and I didn't think the Ravens were necessarily a team that could get away from you offensively. The Bucks right now feel like a team that if they get rolling, they can hang a number. Uh, I don't know that the Jaguars can win 30-point games right now. Yeah, I think that makes sense because they, I mean, they came close, I guess, against the Bengals and the Browns. What I just mean was Zay possibly out. But yeah, right, with, right. yeah with the situation. additional, yeah, absolutely. You would think, going back to what I said, you would think they have to get back to that. Our defense is going to be stout. We're going to create some turnovers. I think of the Saints game. You know, that's the kind of game I think they need in these last three going forward, especially this week. How did you think Trayvon Walker played, speaking of the defense? He played, I mean, it seemed. I've not had a chance to go back and watch the game, but um, I think he got the sack that people have been waiting for. I think overall, I've said all year, I think overall he has played uh, well for the most part, not every game, but he's gotten pressure. He he collapses the pocket. It seemed like he had one of his better games of the season just from my vantage point in the press box. Uh, people get tired of hearing me saying it. I, I think he's a strength of the defense when they're playing well. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any question. The um, the the receiving thing, gosh, there's nothing you can do, is there? And by the way, I I am not surprised that Christian Kirk's loss debilitated this team. By the way, when Christian Kirk made the catch and went to the ground, they were eight and three mm -hmm. and on their way to taking a lead over a team playing really well, and the world changed after that. Yeah, I mean, the world changed when Christian Kirk couldn't get up. Mm -hmm. You just think he's just a slot receiver. He's so much more than that, right. John. When he couldn't get up, the world changed for this team. Yeah, and I think in fairness to Trevor, it still feels like there's ankle stuff. Yeah, to, you know, I, I agree with not, that. You know, I don't say that was everything last night, but that still feels like a little bit. I agree. So when you combine those two things, but trust for a quarterback, you know, if, if you just try to put yourself in the shoes, you're going back, you are – 
having to make decisions quickly, having a guy that you know 100% of the time will be in exactly the right spot at the right moment with the right timing that you can trust, right. it's everything. And when he lost that, I think he has it with Zay, but I don't know if it's there with Zay this year because of all the time that's been lost. I don't think it's as, as instinctive. And it's just different with the tight end. It's good to have it, but once you don't have it with Christian, now you're down a couple of guys. How do you think the game goes if they have Trevor, and how do you think it goes if they do not? Well, I almost think they have to sort of play it the same way now because even without the two receivers, um, even with Trevor, I, I think the message to Bethard or Trevor is going to be the same this week. Hold on to the ball. Keep us out of situations where we're hurting ourselves, and let's see if we can win this just by playing smart. So um, I think they win if Trevor plays. Uh, you don't feel as good about it without him because you don't feel as good about it without him. But it's not unwinnable no matter what they do. I hate to sound like a broken record, but I do think they're right when they say, let's stop making mistakes and see if we can win. And I think no matter who's quarterback, I think that's going to be the key. I'm guessing most of your emailers believe the Jaguars are never winning a game Ever. forever in the rest of the franchise. Yeah, the tone system. last night was more uh, sometimes tough after a game because the game ends late, so not as many people email in and they're going to sleep, and then they kind of get angry this morning. I've, I haven't checked this morning. Looking forward to that. Oh, yeah, that'll uh, be fun. But I think it was more disappointment yeah. last night than it was anger because I think – Fans see what we do. I think they feel like, okay, and now we've seen what they are. They got a chance to make the playoffs, but they feel like they really don't match up against those great teams. I think Doug said it best last night. Until they show that they are, it's going to be a long season. Here's right? what I, I mean, that was sort of his message. Here's what I think of the, to the whole fan thing. All of us, media fans, people that have watched this team play. You all, in a weird sort of way, okay, they're 8-3. Excuse the Cincinnati loss because they're playing better and you were due to play one bad one and and, and Kirk got hurt. On the road at Cleveland was tough. Mm-hmm. Best defense in the league. Back home against the Ravens, losing three in a row sucks and losing again at home sucks, but the Ravens are really good. That all ends if they lose at Tampa. Well, I, I think if they lose at Tampa Bay, yeah. then they look like a team. Then they don't look like a good team anymore. I, you know what I mean? I think yeah. if they win the game, then I think people say, okay, they got out. They, they I, got through this and they move on. I also think in that same vein, I think if any of those three losses had been separate, yeah, but the fact that they were three in a row That's right. just makes it feel so much worse. Because you, yeah. you, you lost three in a row. Couldn't you have gotten one of them? Yeah. Uh, but it, I, I absolutely think you guys have a team mindset. Team mindset, fan mindset, whatever. You go out and you look really good against Tampa. Then all of a sudden you're thinking, hey, we can get to 11-6 and six and not do something in this thing. If you lose, uh, won't be a good Christmas morning for me. Christmas. Johnny O, uh, <laughs> the Ozone uh, checking in. Uh, as always, great work for the O Show. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Guys, Lauren, thanks. Back to wrap the program with Lawrence News and Notes after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Welcome back to the Best Bet Monday edition of the show. We've had a lot of negativity surrounding the Jaguars the last three weeks. Here's a little bit of positive news. 
Stole this from ESPN's Mike DiRocco. Despite a three-game losing streak, the Jaguars still have a 78.9% chance of making the playoffs and a 64.4% chance of winning the AFC South. Those are the best odds of any team in this division. Yeah, the bottom line is go win the next two games, and then they just look like a team that had a hiccup. 10-6 and six is a damn good record in this league, and they got a game to play that could get to 11-6. and six. So, uh, hey, you win this game, and it just looks to the outside world just a little hiccup. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you still wouldn't trade positions with Houston and Indianapolis. They would love to be where the Jaguars are. And, yeah, if you take care of business against Tampa, Carolina, and Tennessee, certainly not a murderer's row, you know you're going to be the division champion, and we'll see about seeding, you know, if it's better than the four. Um, you know, and so, and look, their position's great. You know, there's, there's no doubt about that. They're, they are in good position. They just have no momentum, and they have problems that are either getting worse or, or are new problems that are arising but the, the counter to that is they also don't have any really new positive things that have been able to counteract any of that. So that's the – but from a position standpoint, yeah, they're in magnificent shape. I mean, you know, the, the Colts and Texans, look, I mean, the Jaguars could beat Tampa Bay. Indianapolis loses at Atlanta. Houston probably will lose at home to Cleveland. And, you know, now it's pretty much just beat Carolina and you've clinched the division. And that would certainly be good. It's just, I think, moreover, Frank, people, the, the last three games of football, the way that the Jaguars have lost, that's what they're so concerned about. Yes, the Jaguars can absolutely still win the division, but this style of football is not going to project them deeper into the playoffs, and everybody had the expectations of getting deeper this season than a year ago. You know what's funny about that, too, the style? Cause I thought about the two style of loss is when you get good, any loss is bad. When you're not very good, there's moral victories and can you gain something, right? Well, we've had those conversations. Yeah, yeah, and I think what's happened is because the Jags had such high expectations, any game you don't win, other than maybe the Chiefs because it's the Chiefs, is a disappointment. I think that's what I think that's where they again, this game and we'll talk about it all week. This game is so 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 vital. I, I don't have the words to explain how vital this thing is. I really don't. So the Colts beat the Steelers yesterday 30-13. to Minshew was 18 of 28 for 215 yards and three touchdowns. Is it possible the Colts with Gardner Minshew win the division if the Jaguars don't? Yes. Yes, it's possible. I mean, if the Jaguars if the Jaguars really are in the front and can't get out of it and keep losing, I mean, I think the Texans are better, the better team of the two. But, yes, it's a chance the Colts win the possibility of the Colts. They're tied for first. I will say Shane Steichen has done a magnificent yes. job uh, with Indianapolis and certainly it deserves to be in the running for Coach of the Year. Um, again, they're dealing with attrition. Zach Moss was injured. Now it seems like he might be okay for, uh, for Sunday's game, but we'll see. And Michael Pittman suffered one of the worst hits I've seen anybody ever take on a football mm -hmm. field. I uh, and uh, it was he's lucky that he's OK, right. uh, but he is in the concussion protocol. So we'll see. But Pittman's had an outstanding year for Indianapolis. So they're dealing with some attrition, too. You know, look, they're going to play, uh, you know, at Atlanta, which on the surface seems like, OK, well, they just lost to Carolina. So the Falcons aren't playing well. But again, the way this league has worked this year wouldn't be a surprise if Atlanta upsets Indianapolis. So, you know, it. it the Colts are certainly in it. They're a great story. I, I think what we're looking at here is three average teams fighting for one spot. 
And I think the Jaguars are going to be the best of the three average teams. I think that's certainly a possibility. By the way, in the Bills' win yesterday, Josh Allen was 7 of 15 for 94 yards, yet they destroyed the Cowboys 31 to 10. Isn't that wild? Funny game, isn't it? Funny game. It certainly is. All right, let's get into college football. A couple of quarterback notes. We already talked about the fact that LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels will not play in the bowl versus Wisconsin. He's entering the NFL draft. Also, a nugget, number one recruit in the 2023 class, so the number one quarterback recruit a season ago, USC quarterback Malachi Nelson has entered the transfer portal. And Georgia's top quarterback recruit, Dylan Rayola, we talked about him potentially going to Nebraska. Well, he has made that official in the wake of Carson Beck announcing he will return to Georgia. Yeah, and by the way, Georgia will be just fine. They'll still be first in recruiting, and they'll still be in the national title hunt every year. They've had a great program going better than anybody in the country, so they'll be just fine. But this one hurts. No matter, don't let anybody kid you. This, this, I, and I was raving about this kid's tape when I thought he was going to Georgia, so I'm not saying this because he's not going to Georgia. He, if you have, have you watched him yet on tape? Yeah, he's fantastic. He's real. I mean, he looks like an NFL guy. He, Dylan Rayola looks more like an NFL quarterback in college. And I said the same thing about Brock Berlin 100 years ago. But this guy looks more like an NFL quarterback in college. Big physical guy. Than, I'm sorry. This guy looks more like an NFL quarterback while in high school than anybody I've seen, Hayes. So this is this one stings. It's going to sting. Again, George is fine. They're getting all the good players. But this one, don't kid yourself. This one will sting a little bit. Does Nebraska finally come back? I, don't they have to? With, I mean, with this guy, and, I, and listen, I do think Matt Rule's a pretty good coach. I, I know he, he bottomed out badly in the NFL, but he was really respected at Baylor, man. I mean, he was, I think he's a pretty good coach. I think, now look, it's a tough league, but I think this is, this, this is a great first step. This is the first step they haven't had in a long time. In the world of college basketball and the NBA, uh, I did not necessarily remember this player, but Frank, I'm sure you did. As far as uh, we lost Eric Montrass wow. earlier, he was a 1993 NCAA <laughs> champion at North Carolina, yeah. passed away at the age of 52 after a battle with cancer, nine-month battle. I didn't know he was sick. Did you know Montrass no, was sick? No, I, I don't think they made it, yeah, to I, my knowledge. Yeah. I, it was the first I'd heard of it when big I saw that he'd passed away. Yeah, Very sad. On some good North Carolina team. Oh, he was big, a, big physical Seven feet, seven foot, probably two fifty. Yeah, you know, big old, very thing. reserved personality. Yeah, yeah, but a very good player. Yeah, yeah very physical. Player. I, I did not even know Eric Montross was in in some good years at Carolina. I did not know he he had been sick. So I saw the story today. Yeah, nine month battle is. I mean, that's really short yeah, uh, as yeah. far as cancer is concerned. All right, in college basketball, Florida takes on Michigan tomorrow night, seven p.m. in the Jumpman Invitational, in like I said, in Charlotte. What are your expectations? Well. I, I told you this. I, I tweeted this the other day. I don't think we've talked about it since they played. I'm, I don't think. Um, I think Florida's very average. I, I think maybe that'll change. Um, they've got some of the pieces. I think they're kind of an average team. Lauren, I don't know enough about Michigan. They're they're 500 team also, so maybe yeah, they're way they off. They just won so six and five. So so they're so they're. But I my um my guess is it's going to be a tougher year than I had hoped. You know, look, things can change. They're bigger. They're longer. They're physical. But something seems to be missing. I, my guess is I can't say they're going to lose to Michigan or beat Michigan because I don't know anything about Michigan. But, Hayes, my guess is we're not going to look up and they put 84 to 52 on them. I can tell you that. Yeah, I, I think in, in looking at, at where Florida is, they're rebounding it so well that that is going to cover a lot of mistakes that they make. They're not great at the foul line. I, I still think they're trying to find their rotation. You know, they didn't have pull in early because of the suspension. Then Han Logden gets injured and they don't have him. I mean, I will say in their losses, they haven't they haven't been beaten when they have their, their team. So that gives me some hope. 
uh, and, and they rebound so well that if they can stay healthy, I think he has something uh, potentially, when I say, sp- I, I think he has a, a team that can safely get into the tournament and finish in the top five or top six of, of the SEC standings. So I, I still see a lot of potential because they can rebound and, and they're doing it at such a high level. I mean, we saw it the other day. They shot five of 20 from three. They were 53% uh, from the free throw line. Kugel was two points, four turnovers, and they still won because they were plus 19 on the glass. And so I'll be interested to see, you know, how that if, – if that continues as the competition gets better. But I, I like the makings of the team because I think they've got some really good depth in the front court. And I think on the perimeter, they're sort of going through a who's going to be the alpha here. And if they can get that settled, then I think they've got the potential to, to really have something with Clayton and Pullen and, and Kugel. Yeah, we'll certainly find out, like we said, in the next few games. Uh, JU, as RJ said earlier, defeated Louisiana Monroe this morning, 75-65. They are at Purdue Thursday night at 630, the number one team in the country. So certainly uh, good luck to JU in that game. Four and five FSU lost at home 68-57 to to SMU on Saturday. And FSU plays host to UNF tomorrow night. Yeah, that'll be fun. Tomorrow night at 8 p.m. UNF, when UNF or JU play one of our – when one of our teams plays one of our teams, mm-hmm. when one of our little teams plays one of our big teams, that's fun. Yes, I think that'll be a, that'll be a UNF fun game. UNF could win that game. You know, FSU is not that good. I don't think UNF can beat them, but I but I do think it's a, it's gonna be a t- it could be a tough year for the Noles. I don't I don't I don't sense that UNF can go in there and beat them. Hey, JU went and beat Florida, the uh, Keith uh, like ten years ago. What's the guy's name? Keith the the JU guy that made the two free throws at the end. Anyways, but but but, J, but anyways, JU beat Florida ten years ago. But I'd be surprised if UNF could beat them. That'd be great. Rooting for them. Yeah, it will be fun. Uh, time now. Keith McDougald. Keith McDougald, that's it. Time now for today's takeaways. Now, today's takeaways. Brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is that the Jaguars have two problems. One they can solve, one they can't. Uh, the first problem is they're not physical at all. Uh, they are right now running the football about the worst team in the league. They're 26 running the football, but they're 30th in yards per play when they run it. That is dreadful. Uh, and, and they're not defending the run as well as they have been. So they're not physical, particularly on the offensive side, and they're not going to be able to change that. What they can change is the stupid mistakes that they continue to make in-game. And there's no reason. This should be a smart team. They've got some veterans. They've got some guys that have played. They're well coached. It's, again, it is time, as Doug Peterson has said, to eliminate the BS. And they didn't do it last night. It just glaring, easy, easy errors. Uh, just things that can't happen are happening to this club. That's the correctable issue. They've got to get it fixed, or this is going to go down as a complete collapse. Because if they keep making the mistakes they're making, they will lose to Tampa Bay, and they might lose in Nashville, and they might lose the division. And I don't think they're going to get a wild card. So they've got to solve the mistakes. If they can do that, play cleaner football, they're going to win the division and host a game in the playoffs. Yeah, my takeaway is, is Trevor Lawrence has to play better, but he's certainly going through a lot. First he had the knee injury, then he had the ankle injury. 
Now he's in concussion protocol. We'll see later this week if he's going to be able to play. If not, C.J. Beathard will take on the Bucks. And, and like Frank said earlier in the show, this is a massive game for the Jaguars. If they want to make the playoffs, Christmas Eve is a game they absolutely have to win. And even if C.J. Beathard is playing quarterback, the Jaguars have to win. Yeah, no question about it. Is Blue in the house? Do we have a Blue? Who's Blue? Someone track down Rick Blue, will you? I assume so. Blue's coming by. He's, he, I think he's nearby somewhere. You can always, you can, Blue can never be too far away. He, he's on tonight, right, R.J.? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so we'll see. We'll see. We're coming up in just a bit. Right, just almost out of time in the program, though. There's Rick there Ballou. I is. thought he was in the neighborhood. Hello? Jump over here, Rick. <laughs> Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Tough one yesterday, Rick. Yeah. Tough one yesterday. Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, What's the biggest problem with the football team as you see it? You know, it feels like when they fix something, something else uh, pops up. I, yeah. And you look at the numbers and you'll say that the defense was awful, especially giving up, you know, 251 yards on the ground. But it felt like for at least a half and into the third quarter, uh, they were doing a good enough job uh, to win that game. And, you know, would those numbers have stayed the same if, if Jackson was able to take advantage of – those four trips inside the 40 and not put up any points, you know, that could have made them a little bit more of a balanced attack and put more pressure really on Jackson. I thought the corners played well yesterday, both Brown and Williams. So um, it's it's kind of tough to figure out right now, but it, it, it still feels like they're soft in the ditch to me, yeah, that good. offensive line. And you have to win. You have to yeah. be the more physical. The you more can't phys- run the ball. You can't run it all. And the more physical team wins the game. No question about it. No, not only can they not run the ball, but they can't run the ball – between the tackles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, they should eliminate running behind both guards in the center this year. That That is a brick wall yeah. that and they cannot get through. Their average how, per is terrible right but now. But that's how you run. You know, oh, yeah, you, I get it. Be, yeah, so, so But they're averaging more outside the tackle. No, no, you're right. About it. What's coming up? What are you doing tonight? Oh, yeah. uh, We got all that. We got a lot of good stuff coming up tonight over the next couple of hours. I, I'm going to try to uh, dive deep into the uh, – there's a lot of traffic running around right now in my head. And I, I think that that's kind of what uh, Jacksonville is dealing with uh, as well. So I'm, I'm going to try to sort out some of these problems. Sounds good. Rick Blue goes into the night right now. Folks, that'll do it for our program. And don't go anywhere. Rick is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. For Hayes, Warren, and RJ, I'm Frank Trent. So long.